Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our masters. Your hosts are Nancy L. Hopkins and Walt Silva. Producing the show is Colleen Kelly. The theme song is called Disturbance and is written and performed by Renate Jet and Jet Music. You are listening to Wolf Spirit Radio at wolfspiritradio.com. Emotionally undercover for a lover overdressed. The psyche is created long before you start to think that the blink is your decision, what you do. No clue for the food fighter. Whoops. Hi, everyone. This is Cosmic Reality Radio Show, and we are live. However, Nancy is having a bit of difficulty. Uh, her power went out, so she will join us as soon as uh, she can get back online. But we have Walt with us, and we have their guest, Dolly Howard. Hi, Walt. Hi, Dolly. Hello. Hello, Colleen. Good evening, Hi, everyone. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Walt. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. All right. I want to know about Dolly's adventure in Angel Land. Oh, <laughs> Nancy told you a bit about it. Yeah, yeah I, wrote, I saw the uh, uh, Skype chat exchange. Oh, okay. So I oh, thought that cool. was a fabulous adventure. Could you well, it was. That? <laughs> I shared it this morning on, uh, well, not this morning. It felt like morning. Uh, on my show, Dolly Reads for You Today. But I'm excited to share it again. Sure, I because have... it's also, it, it's uh, I think it's educational for people, you know, right now. Everyone's looking, okay, what do I do? How do I, okay, I agree. I don't like this old reality. How do I go about making my new reality? So this is a perfect introduction to one of the very many things you can do to start affecting changes in your reality. And it's no joke because you just lived through it. Right. So pay attention, people out there. This is not just. We're not just shooting the breeze here. We're giving you tools that you can take home and work with. So take it away. Okay. I'll give them the background on it first. I was listening to Say What Saturday with Colleen and Nancy and their guest, Christia Cummins-Slack. I've had her on my show. They've had her on their show now. She is an angel medium and... And they were talking about angels. And it must have been the right time for me because all of a sudden my ears perked up when Christia started talking about a stadium. She says, imagine a football stadium and you're standing in the middle where the emblem is. You're standing in the middle of the field. And you look all around the seats and everywhere peoples can be. And you imagine all the people being light beings, not just, not peoples, but light beings. And she said, those are your angels, all the angels that are your angels. And there are even more than that. There's standing room only and they're out in the field, out in the, outside the uh, football field too. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot of angels for one person. Because she was trying to get a point across 
that we individually have all these angels wanting to work with us. And there's guardian angels and all sorts of other angels. I have a parking angel. When we go to shopping or something, I tell the angel I want, reserve me a front row parking spot. And they do. And everyone's always amazed. You can't do that. You know, whoever's driving for me, you can't do that. I said, <laughs> you watch. And there's the front row parking spot. And this was before I had the handicapped parking sticker thing. Now, I, thank you for pointing that out because right there, right then and there, when people wonder, okay, why don't things change or why, uh, if things were supposed to go, are going to change, why don't they change? Well, there it is, your belief system. You know, someone believed that it's wrong to ask an angel to find a parking spot. Yeah. So everything was there, the energy was there, the angel's there, you're there. Mm-hmm. What would make you stop? Well, the belief that it's it's wrong in some way. <laughs> or not even to think about asking. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> the other point, <coughs> excuse me, that I think it's it's wonderful is uh, this the system has has us programmed in that there's never enough. You know, the reason that poverty exists is because there's not enough right. for everybody. You know, so some people have to be poor so that the rest can be rich because there's not enough. And that's the absolute biggest lie that they made us buy into. Right. Because the universe is nothing but abundance. So that's it's important that she gave you that image, that illustration, because it just goes to show if there's anything about the universe, it's not lack. Right. Lack, one of those unnatural things that they brainwash you into in this world, in this reality. So that's a, a great way to get you deprogrammed. You know, forget lack. Just see yourself <laughs> living in that ocean of abundance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Interrupt anytime you want. Um, so that, that's kind of the background on the angel thing. Well, not completely. Mm. <laughs> she also said, all these angels are waiting for you to ask them to help. They want you to ask them to help you. Cause they can't help you until you ask them. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. So I'm thinking, I believe in angels. There's no doubt about that. And Sherry and Shannon need some stuff right now. And so I woke up yesterday singing and just in a happy mood. And I don't usually sing anymore because my voice is so awful since um they had the tube down my throat for so long for my five bypass surgery. It kind of damaged my <clears throat> vocal cords. But anyway, so I'm singing and thinking about what Christia said, and I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I said, okay, all my angels, I'm going to ask you for some help here. I really need it. Would you please go and work with Sherry and Shannon? Shannon's my Sherry's husband, my son-in-law. And, and Chase and Logan and Jakey, they're my three grandsons, Sherry and Shannon's boys. I said, will you please go work with all their angels? 
um, to to give them the perfect situations for for them, the perfect outcome of situations for them. Like, for instance, I said, the schooling for the boys, the social life for the boys, because they're moving from um, the basin in St. Louis, Illinois, I can't remember its name, down to Florida because Shannon just retired. So he's in that interim where you, he doesn't have to report for duty anymore, but he is active duty until June 1st. So in the meantime, that gives it, they have helped him to put together his package to present to employers. And my Shannon has, he's got, uh, the degree that's just below a doctorate. Is that a master's? Or is that the SBS or I don't, he's got the, you mean the degree below a a PhD? Yes, yes. He's got that one. That would be a master's, I believe. Okay then, yeah. Audience correct us. He's got the master's. And so he's got a wonderful education. He's got all this experience working on the airplanes that we don't know we have. Um, helping to perfect and all that. And his his dream since he was a little boy was to work for NASA. Well, there's this company. He knows a man personally who works for this company that contracts with NASA. And he really wants to get in there, and the guy wants him. So they're, the guy's working on, with the company people, a position to have Shannon come into. And it's all over by Patrick Air Force Base. So, my kids are going to have to pick up and move, and they don't have, they didn't have jobs, and they didn't have a place to live, and it was just pack up your shit and move. Oh, oh, pack up your stuff and move. And they didn't even know where to put their stuff. So, we had made an interim plan. If you don't find a place, you can come and live here until then you can go back on the west coast and, and look for places to live. Because he was, they just couldn't find a place. And this has been going on, uh, since February, I think it was. Yeah, February 28th, I think. And so, <clears throat> they were getting panicky. So I tell the angels, please, set up perfect, perfect scenarios for that, for the kids. Please, work with Sherry and, a- and Shannon's angels to set up perfect situations for for their jobs, for their housing, for whatever else, anything and everything else that these kids need. Please work with the angels and get it all worked out wonderfully. So, ten minutes later, the phone rings and it's my Sherry. Mom, Mom! I said, what, what? <laughs> she said, um... We have a place to live. I said, you do? She said, it's on Patrick Air Force Base. I said, but, but did Shannon re-up? She said, no. It, they have a retirement section in their housing where the retired GIs can, can live on base and get all the base accommodations that they'd get if they were in active duty. 
and um, they can live there as long as they pay rent, as long as they want, evidently. So uh, Shannon had talked with the people, and they said, yes, they need to fill out this paperwork, and they need to send a money order for $100. And they were, they were, had just gotten that news when Sherry called me all excited. And I said to her, Sherry, when did you hear this news? She said, Mom, I just heard it just before I called you. Cause she couldn't even tell me everything cause she didn't know everything at that point cause Shannon was on the phone with them, a different phone with them. And so I said, I explained to her what I had done with the angels, what I had requested. And I told her what Christia had said, and I said, you guys need to do the same thing. Talk to your angels. Tell them this is what you want. But don't be specific. Be general. Tell them this is this is what you want them to work on, but to make it the most perfect situation they can make and um, there's no limits. Told her, tell them there's no limits on it for the goodness. So then I was happy and thanking the angels and thanking God and rejoicing. And oh my gosh, I was all high. It wasn't very much longer. And Sherry called me back. And I thought, uh-oh, what happened? It's got to be good news. So... I picked the phone up and she said, Mom, Mom. I said, what, Sherry, what? And she said, you know, the guy that I work for at the commissary. I said, yes. She said, he just called me. The guy at Patrick Air Force Base, who is the head of the commissary, called and talked to her current boss about her and wanted her current boss to give Sherry the phone number and name of the one that at the commissary in Patrick Air Force Base. So she called him right back, had to leave a voicemail message, of course. And and I said, oh, my gosh, Sherry, you guys better strap yourselves down. Things are happening. And Shannon was in the background. He was all, all in a dither. He was just all in a dither. <laughs> I said, what's wrong with Shannon? Sherry said, he, it's happening so fast, Mom. He doesn't, he can't keep up. <laughs> I said, well, like I said, you better strap yourselves in. So, um, then she said to me, well, maybe I better just sit by the phone and wait for the guy to call. I said, maybe you better. <laughs> At least make yourself available if he, when he calls. Um, so all the rest of the day yesterday, Shannon was in touch with Patrick Air Force Base. They were going back and forth on the paperwork and, and the money order and yada yada and, and, um, how to get it to Patrick fast. And I said, well, ask him if you can't just fax it with your printer thing. You can fax all that and ask him if the bank can't send the money order via and the wires. And so today I called just before Dolly reads for you to find the, out the latest and Shannon was messing with this printer. His printer had broken and he was trying to get the printer to talk to the computer and because he'd been talking with everybody else. 
they can fax their paperwork and they can fax a copy of the certified money order to Patrick Air Force Base so that Patrick Air Force Base will have it today and they can then put the rest, put it in the mail and send it snail mail. And in the meantime, the guy said, we, we already started your background check because we know that you're going to live here. <laughs> and, Usually they don't do that until you've sent in all your paperwork and you do more crap with them and, and then they talk with you in person and interview you and all this stuff. But they've already got the wheels rolling there for Shannon and Sherry so that when they get down there June 1st, they can just move into their house. So, uh, what else happened? So much happened. I, that's all I can remember at this point, but it's all happened within a matter of immediately. <laughs> <laughs> really, immediately. The angels are working on this thing. And you, you know the, the, sad, the sad part of the story, it's not sad, it's just a little bit ironic, is for our human understanding, it feels so weird, so strange. We're so used to not getting what we want. Is that when we do get everything that we want, it's just like we're uh, it's in, mind-boggling. in a bizarre world. You know, how can this yeah. be happening? When that should be our daily way of life. It shouldn't be what? strange. It shouldn't be an exception. It shouldn't be an accident. Right. It should be our daily way of life. It should be so natural to us that we wouldn't even question it. But here we are astounded out of our brains because, you know, this old reality convinced us that there's lack, that there's not enough, that you can never get what you want, that you have to have all these. Uh, um, the old reality, remember, is everything is based on conditions. You have to meet this condition and this condition and this thing and this thing for mm-hmm. things to even possibly work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's already going through without... Yeah. Without the paperwork, the heat Shannon can send it, <clears throat> and, but they didn't wait for it. And Shannon said to me, thank you for the angel stuff. And I said, you're welcome. He said, just will you keep it up? I said, Shannon, honey, <laughs> you can do that yourself. Yeah. Talk to your angels. Tell them what you're, what you're wanting, but don't limit them, Shannon. Because Shannon would be tempted to to tell him specifically what he wants. I said, don't limit him. Yeah. Say you want the perfect job in the perfect company, in the perfect time. You, you want it. And please work on that and get back with you. <laughs> that business with the specificity, uh, it's of being, you know, so specific about details. Uh, it really blows up in your face. I mean, I, the best example that I can think of, is um, one of those people out there that have read uh, uh, authors that write books on, on astrology. Many years ago, back in New York, I remember reading uh, one of the books by Linda Goodman. Uh, that, that was just her pen, pen name. Family name was different, but she wrote under that pen name, you know, Linda Goodman. And in she had had a first husband. And they, uh, I believe, they divorced and then he died. And she had a meeting with 
a mysterious gentleman who was like a spiritual guide or something. He he wasn't. It wasn't a vision. It was actually a physical person that came to her, and she was stubbornly specific that she wanted to find her husband again. She wanted to find the man to the you know a companion, you know a new husband, but he had to look exactly exactly like the husband oh, that had died. Yeah, you know, and, the, and this man is trying to explain to her, you know, why all the uh, why you shouldn't, you know, asking for something like that, and why maybe it wouldn't work. He's trying to be as patient as possible, like a, like an adult being patient with a five year old. But no, she would not hear, listen to reason. It has to be same, absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, she travels somewhere where she has to stay. At a hotel, and when she's in the restaurant of the hotel eating, she sees a man coming into the hotel, and she couldn't believe it. It was like a carbon copy of her ex-husband who died. Mm-hmm. So the next day, they're outside, and he actually approaches her to talk to her. And in the first five minutes of the conversation, is like all all her expectations just fell on the ground like broken cookie dough. <laughs> <laughs> because even though the man had it was down to the t- it turned out she explained it in the book she called the phenomena astral twins in fact in the book there's a black and white photo of two little girls they're they're sitting on a lawn somewhere and they're smiling at the camera and you look at them and you would swear that these are twin sisters it turns out that each girl is born to different parents what happened is that both girls were born exactly same date, same time, in the same town. Oh so my. she says he claims that this phenomena is called the astral twins, and that's exactly was the case of this man when she started asking him because he was an astrologer. He he was all the only difference with him is that he was born in another state, different than her husband, but it was exactly same date, same time. They met all the astrological conditions. But at the same time, uh, she was so disappointed. It was like discovering that the biggest thing you ever wanted was a big lie. And then she finally got the message of what this man had tried to get her to understand. That, you know, yeah, the, the body, the body is just, you know, the vehicle that the soul was occupying. And the person that you were in love with was the occupant of that vehicle. It's not the vehicle, but at the time, you know, she would listen to reason. And then years later, she would meet a young man. I think he was 10 or 20 years younger than her. And that was, that was her husband who had come back. But oh. that, <laughs> so. And well, the, that and doesn't the, work out mathematically. Well, the thing is that, uh, I, I sometimes I wonder when people have these desires and these, but I can't question them. You know, everybody's life is their own, so I have no right to question it. But uh, the relationship was just as dramatic and tumultuous and when, as when he was alive in the previous body. So <laughs> if she divorced him. Why would she ask for something just like him? I don't know. That but, doesn't uh, make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me when I read the story, but. Uh, yeah. the, the point is, make the point. Yeah. being specific, actually, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. If you, um, 
if we, like I've said before, when I've spoken about human design, the mind only knows what it knows, and it doesn't know what it doesn't know. Therefore, it never knows exactly what's best for you. It can guess, yes, I would really be happy if I had a, a car to drive me to work, but what if you were to find a job where you can walk to work? It's only two blocks away, you know, stuff like that. The, the universe is infinite in its abundance. It's also infinite in the conditions that would better suit you. So we, we think we would want this, that this would be great for us because we have an idea, okay, I don't like this particular thing, but I would really enjoy this other one. Okay, but don't leave it there. Ex explain what is it that you want to enjoy and leave it alone. Don't give any details. And then there's so much combinations and permutations of circumstances they will always be able to come up with something many times better than your wildest dream. Mm -hmm. So that you you made that point <laughs> you, where you told them, you know, this is, you know, guys work on this, but you wasted no energy on specific on how things should be or why things should be. Just right. this this is what's wanted. I how didn't you get there. I don't care. <laughs> I didn't decorate it. <laughs> exactly. And there you have it. The, the white curtains. The elements <laughs> combined with such simplicity and synchronicity is that with all the with all the money in the world and all the planning in the world, you could not get that level of results. Right. I mean, and and movie producers all over the world would agree with me. I mean, I have read many many stories of time and money spent to get conditions just right because they wanted to film something just and all the planning in the world doesn't work because our our access in this in this human consciousness is so limited we're affected by the veil we can't see the other side so how can we even know what's best well you know? we don't know what kind of roadblocks will be put up in front of us even exactly if you leave it open you don't give them any limitations yeah. they can take care of all that stuff exactly so you end up with a result that's even more impressive than your wildest dream absolutely <laughs> Well, the Sherry was offered the job by the guy, but he said she would only be starting out at 20-some hours a week. But she's got her foot in the door. Yeah. And they were telling her, oh, you're not going to be able to get in for a long time. There's a big waiting list for people to be hired in and yada, 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 all the negativity stuff. Yeah. And I kept saying, Sherry, don't buy into that. Do not buy into that. And then after I did the angel request and, and she got the phone call and he, he, did I tell you that he called her back and offered her the job? Oh no. Oh, well, that's just part I was missing. So he called her back and offered her the position and told her it'll just be 20 some hours a week to start with, but you start First week of June. So Shannon was talking today to the Patter, Pat, Patrick Air Force people, and he said, look, I really need to have a place for sure the first part of June, first week in June, because my wife got offered the job at the commissary, and I don't want to be paying 100 bucks a day for a motel. 
So the guy kept saying, oh, no, don't worry about it. We, I've already started the process for your background checks. He said, you're going to have a place when you get here. We have several openings. And they had been told there weren't openings there, that there was a humongous waiting list. <laughs> and Shannon, the poor guy, he's just kind of going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> He said, Do that Shannon. again, Dolly. <laughs> well, isn't, I, I like that you, you, you made that point. I want to point out the thing you did with Sherry there when you told her, don't buy into that, don't buy into that. How many times, countless times, we do that? Yes. So we, we don't trust ourselves. You, we go talk to, well, let's talk to that person. Maybe she knows. And they give you such a, such a horror show. You uh-huh. buy into it. Yeah. It must be like this. It must be really hard because it, we, we can't even entertain the possibility that it's not that way. Oh, this person said it. It must be law. If she said that there's a huge waiting list and look at all the people that are sitting on the sidewalk waiting, then it's got to be then. Mm-hmm. Why? Why does it have to be? Why do you have to? The, what law says that you have to believe what you're being told? So that was spot on that you said that. You know, don't buy into that. I've always told the kids, don't buy into that stuff. <laughs> you can have anything you want to have. You can be anything you want to be. I, and and I'd tell them, I believe in you. You will make your life happy. You will have a happy life, not make it happy. Wow, you must be from another planet. <laughs> because that's like, like the total opposite of parents I've met in Argentina. My, my father, uh, growing up in Argentina, his, he, he always heard the same song in his ears. You're useless. You will never amount to anything. Why do you want to learn English? You're never going to go to the United States. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then you wonder why you have these adults that are so screwed up. Uh, I know. Any support of any kind. <laughs> it was all negativity. When I was growing up, I'm a baby boomer. I was growing up, a compliment that was being paid to you was really a humongous insult. Mm. They would say it in the form of an insult, and it was supposed to be a compliment. I mm. never bought into that either. I said, you hurt my feelings when you tell me things like that. Well, well, that's a big compliment. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> Listen to what you said to me. I just, I couldn't see it. I just, why hurt people in order to say that you're giving them a compliment? What you're doing is in the back of their mind saying, oh, I wonder if they mean that for real. Yeah. And that and hiding behind it's supposed to be a compliment. Oh, no. I, I had difficulty with that. And I wanted my kids, my point is, I wanted my kids to grow up with, with positive input from me. I wanted them to know they can do any darn thing they want to. They are beautiful children. They are beautiful beings. And I told them that too. I wanted them to have the good thoughts in their head, not the bad thoughts that I was raised on. Yeah. So I learned. I learned by growing up in that environment. I, I learned to do the positive, not the negative. And the uh, that was really uh, an awake 
a very awake attitude on your part because of the parents that I've seen in my childhood, it's like parents are so filled with bitterness of whatever situation they're stuck in, they take it out of the kids. It's like, it's like well, revenge. You know, it's your fault that I'm stuck in this loveless marriage. So you're going to pay the price. <laughs> so. It was not a pretty scene. It was an abusive scene. It was, it was hell. And I tried really hard to find the fun things to do when we could do it, when he wasn't around. And I'd tell him, now don't say anything. Mm. Don't say, just keep it with us. And sure, he's a blabbermouth, she'd tell. But it was so abusive. And the kids kept saying, get a divorce, get a divorce. So I finally get a divorce. And they said, what are you doing getting a divorce? I go, what? <laughs> what the heck's wrong with you kids? So that's why you ended up stuffing the body in the false back of the closet? Yeah. Oh. You weren't supposed to know that. Okay. Well, that's. don't try to cheat a psychic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he did end up passing away. He remarried and, and his wife was, they were in the process of a divorce and then he ended up with something, a brain tumor. And so they operated on him, took off the top part of his skull and put it on a, uh, on a table. Well, evidently they, it wasn't germ free. So they take the tumor out and then they put the skull thing back on, but it had uh, germs and bacteria. So then he got this awful infection from the dirty skull being did put they, back. Did they do the operation in the restaurant? <laughs> I don't know. And so he ended up dying from that. <laughs> but he left behind two wives that are going, oh. <laughs> right. So you were saying thank you, angels. Yes. I know that sounds awful. It does just sound so awful. Well, he's not really dead. He's just changing his clothes. Yeah. So, hoping that he gets it right the second time around or the next time around. But it wasn't all his fault. I had, you know, it takes two. So I finally owned up to that and, and I apologized to him after he'd been gone for a while. And, uh, uh, I think that he's accepted my apology and we can move on. I have been able to move on anyway. It's hard when you can't really see them, see them, and see what they're doing. But I think even though somebody is crossed over, you can still make amends with them. Sure, it's all one. All the energy, it's all one. Yeah. That's the other, that's the other illusion, the illusion of separation. Right. Please. And I got that encouragement from angels. My life seems to circle back to a lot of interaction from angels. And, and I gotta tell you, ever since I asked the angels for the help yesterday, geez, I feel like yesterday was I feel like it was a long time ago, but <laughs> it happened yesterday. <laughs> and But ever since I did that, I have so many angels here. I don't know how they all fit in the house. And, in fact, 
they're even outside in my yard. They're on okay. top of my house. I'm hoping they're making you change your mind about the, your rush to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have well, something to play with. You can't be bored anymore. Right, right. I, I made that, I made that agreement when the last time I was on the operating table and the doctor was rebuilding, in the process of rebuilding my main left artery because I didn't have one. So he wanted to rush me into bypass surgery again. Also, oh, you were doing a factory recall? Yeah. Oh. So I told him, no, we're not doing bypass surgery. It's my body. I say no. So then he decided he's this great physician, which he is. He's a wonderful surgeon. So he decided to rebuild my main left artery, and then he put shunts and balloons in my heart besides that. But while he was doing it, I, I died again on the on the table. So this time I kind of knew what was going on because I'd done this before with the five bypass surgery. So I said, um, God, you're not going to believe what I'm going to say to you. But I think I'm ready to stick around here a while. I, and my kids definitely, I know they're not ready for me to be gone. And I feel like there's some other things I haven't finished yet. So what I'm saying to you now, God, is if you want to take me now, that's okay. If you want me to stay, that's okay. I'm at peace. Boom! I'm right back there in the in my body, <laughs> and everybody. They, the doctor said, "Well, you can cancel the code, but keep the people here. Don't let them go to lunch, just in case it happens again." <laughs> so then I'm laying on the table. The guy, I was not under any type of anesthetic whatsoever. Well, yes, I would. They numbed the area where they cut me in the groin to put all the tubes up to, to push them up to my heart. But oh. that had worn off by then, and I had told him several times, I am feeling where you're jamming the tubes in, and it's really hurting. But he didn't pay attention. He was busy doing his miraculous rebuild of my main left artery. And I think what happened was my body just couldn't take any more pain. And, but I, I wasn't under, uh, general anesthetic. I just had that numbing right there that had worn off. So what I'm telling you, I'm telling you from a person who was all there. Mm. Not under the influence of drugs. So, you're so oh, and when when I was going through that wall, boy, all yeah. these things are coming to me. I looked over to my left, and standing to my left, like a statue with the arms folded, was this figure who was dark. I could see the I could see the person, like it was a person, but it, everything was black. Well, kind of mostly black, with the arms folded. And and I thought, who are you? Because I knew nobody else in the room could see him. That was my guardian angel. Mm. I saw my guardian angel. I didn't see the full impact of the angel, just just kind of like a silhouette of it. Mm-hmm. Yet it was a firm, 
being. I was just astounded. So, so back to what I was saying. Yes, I have made a decision to stick around until God says, okay, let's go. Well, now you can, this, you were bored. Now look at all the stuff you gotta do. Oh my gosh. You gotta instruct got people on how guess. to use their, use their angels. Yeah. I got the key. I got all the angels hanging out and they love to play with the girls and the girls love them playing because they, they tear around the house like somebody's chasing them. And now <laughs> you know what Papa looks like. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really see God though. I, I talked with God. I, well, well, this book you're reading describes God. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But I didn't see any large black African American women. <laughs> but God was right above me, hovering right over the top of me like that. And he was there just for an instant, and then there was an emissary from God. It was enough to let me know, hey, I'm listening, I'm here, I'm listening. But I got other things to do, so talk to this emissary, and we'll make arrangements. It was it was all so fast. So you Even were like though, a police star, have your people talk to my people? Yeah, okay. yeah. We'll get in touch with your people. <laughs> <laughs> So people cannot even tell me that there's no God. <laughs> they can't tell me I didn't see and talk with what I did. They can't tell me I did not experience what I did. There's too many proofs. Oh, and do you want to hear more angel stuff? Yes. What else? When I was in the hospital for my five bypass surgery in 2003, I was finally out of the woods and they, they decided, yes, I was going to live. So they put me in a regular room and Sherry Kay had been there with me the whole time and she was pregnant. So when they put me in my regular room, they put me in uh, semi-private with a bed that was empty next to mine. And the nurses had Sherry sleep in that bed because she wouldn't leave me. And they fed her and they took care of Sherry, which made me feel good. But I got to the point where Sherry had to go back to base with Shannon. And um, so she had to leave. But it was going to be a couple days and I'd be released from the hospital. So Sherry had said her goodbyes to me. And then a few seconds later, I thought she was coming back. And I said, well, Sherry, what would you forget? And I looked over and there was this man coming in the room. He was short and stocky and balding, had the fringes on the sides and and just a jolly guy. And he came over and he says, hi, Dolly. And I said, hi, how are you? And all of a sudden, every hair in my body stood on end. I looked at him and he smiled. And I said, you are an angel, aren't you? He said, yeah, God said you'd know right away. I said, what are you doing? I'm so excited. I've got so many questions. He said, yeah, he's laughing then. God said you'd say exactly those words. He said, I am here on a mission. I have things to tell you. He said, you will be doing certain, you will be having these certain things happen to you throughout your life. 
And here is how you can react and what you can say for these situations, for these other people that you're going to be interacting with. These people will be brought into my life because they need the help that I can give them, that he was going to tell me how to do from God. So I was not allowed to remember. Every once in a while something will happen and I remember, oh, that's one of the things. And it just gives me goosebumps and makes me so happy and brings tears to my eyes. So then he got done telling me all these things he had to tell me, his mission. And he said, okay, I have to go now. And I said, no, you can't go. I have all these questions I have to ask you. He said, Dolly, God said you'd say that, but I really have to go. Just know God loves you. And, and he I said, well, can I at least shake your hand? So he put his hand in my hand like you're shaking hands. We did it three times. One, two, three. He poof. He, he, he turned into this mist right in front of my eyes and he floated up and he went out of my room, the top part of the door. And, and I'm trying to get the heck out of bed, but I've got all these tubes and, and, and IVs in me, and I was having trouble. I was struggling to get out of the bed, and the nurse came in. She said, what are you doing? Because I had knocked over one of the IVs. I said, i got to go see where the angel's going next. She said, Dolly, I know you're not drugged, because I came in with a drug to give you. <laughs> what are you talking about? She didn't believe me. But it was true. So then the chaplain, the hospital chaplain came in a little while later, and of course I was still hyped up. I said, you gotta hear this. And he sat down and listened, and he, he held my hand, and he said, I love hearing these stories. He said, you're not the only one. This happens in the hospital all the time. Wow. I know, I got angels in my life all the time. Well, one of the things I can tell from your story that it's very difficult to throw a surprise birthday party for God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Knew you were going to say that. Knew you were going to ask that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He knows me so well. He, she, whoever. I call him he because it's easier for me. Well, this the. so people need to get started using their angels, but you know the uh <clears throat> that principle behind the double A, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, that the first thing you have to do is admit that you have a problem. Well I think that if you're going to be working with your angels, the first thing you have to do is accept that you can't. Because if yeah. you believe that oh that oh only Angels will only listen to children. Oh, angels will only listen to people that are very virtuous. Oh, no, angels will listen to people that have been meditating in a cave for 30 years. That's all just belief systems. Just accept that you can. Plus, some people don't even believe in them to start with. Yeah. That makes me sad. It's it's like being dead alive and not, not having anything... And like people, but that, that's, I, I cannot even judge that because that's their experience that they're choosing to have. So right. nobody tells me what experience to have. So I can't go around telling people, oh no, you, 
you should believe in that. That's that's not that's a big karmic thing because if someone believes something that you just put on them and they get hurt because of it, it's on you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think want to take responsibility. all we can all we can do well is throw it out there for them. It's up to them whether they accept or not. Yep. Whether they open their eyes and explore a new thing that they didn't they didn't give much thought to before. But I believe that I am here for a reason. I believe that now. And maybe the reason is to give witness to the angels. That could be. I don't mind doing it. Well, you mm. opened your whole house to them. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know? So, I think this has been the mission maybe all along. Just saying. I I can see where that would be part of it. I definitely can. Because now that I have said to them, yes, please help me. Did I tell you they even helped me to open a jar? <laughs> I was having trouble with the darn dill relish jar. I couldn't get it open for nothing. It was one of those, yeah, well, you're not going to do this. You can look at me, but you aren't opening me. <laughs> And so I said to the angels, okay, I know you you can do things. I know you're helping with Shannon and Sherry and the boys. Will you open this jar for me? So I put my hand on the jar, both my hands like you do when you open a jar. I put my hand on the lid. That sucker just opened right up like it was buttered. I mean, it just it just opened. <laughs> they open yeah. jars for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't say enough about angels. And you can you can you can request like physical healing as well or or only external circumstances. I really don't know. I haven't experimented with this I just realized that this world was open to me yesterday, Walt. Mm. I'm still experimenting with the key that you sent me. Mm-hmm. You know that necklace, and and that thing. <laughs> I'm just amazed at what this does, and it does it immediately. And and now I got the angels who are hanging around wanting to help me. You know they're in and out and doing their thing and. A whole new world has opened to me. I will never be the same again that I was before yesterday. I thank you very much for presenting all of this because uh, I myself have wondered, okay, we, we, we know we want a new reality. We know the old reality isn't broken. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do, keep us asleep, keep us in slavery. And me, like many other people, will say, okay, what what do we do about it? Because obviously going around doing petitions or doing a demonstration in front of a government building changes very little. It has its place. It influences people. It inspires people. But when it comes to major change, it's it's very it's very slow. So uh, for those wondering, okay, I'm really I'm fed up. 
with the old reality, how well it keeps us in slavery. What do we do about changing this? Um, I think you're here presenting a very powerful tool. Talk to your angels. Yeah. Let them work on that old reality to transmute it into the new reality that you want, where things are going to flow toward you, not against you. Well, I was sitting there wondering, I know I'm in a new reality, like you and Nancy always talk. You can make your reality what you want it to be. So I'm sitting there thinking, how do I want my new reality to be? I'm enjoying what I'm in now. I know that I have moved from an old reality to a different one, and I didn't quite know how to fill it, what to do with it. And and then I get presented with what, with the angel stuff that Christia was sharing and, and I did what she said and it, it I'm in a different place, Walt. And that's, and that's it. You, you don't, you don't have to change the house or your geographic location. It's the very energy signature of the place, the reality where you're in. It's the reality bubble. It's almost like, what happened to this woman? That she wanted to find a man who looked identical to the husband who died. She found the same shape, the same form, but the energy signature was entirely wrong because the person that had been her husband was not inside that body. So we we are so tied to our five senses that we think we to change our reality, we need to do things outside. Mm-hmm. Affect changes outside. Change the color of the house. Change the plants in the garden. You know, change your job. And that's not it. I have no desire to do any of that. (laughs) The essence of the reality you're living in is that energy signature on the side. So even though you haven't moved in your house, you haven't changed town, you haven't changed houses, but you have changed that energy signature of that your bubble of reality. So it it feels nothing like the old one. Right. when you, I take it that if you go out and you drive around, go to the store, when you come back, the house feels entirely different. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and people are no strangers to this. How many times, I would ask the guys in the audience, how many times have you been to places where even though the place doesn't look nothing weird about it, still you feel this, uh, Energy. Uh, restlessness where you feel uncomfortable and uh, you have the sense that you just want to get out of there. Yeah. And it's not the, not the appearance of the place so much, but it's that energy that it's giving off. Mm-hmm. That's what I said when I, when I spoke in that earlier show about the, this place in the country in my hometown where they, the people go there and they use the place to put down spells and things on people, even though physically it is very beautiful because it's a natural spring. You know, the water is coming out from a hill. You just want to get the hell out of there because there's so much negative energy. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to places like that. I, I have literally run from places like that. <laughs> I ran to the car and I sped out. I almost had accidents. I have been to places like that. It's scary. Yep. Yeah. But, but now, I wouldn't run so much. I, I've i learned a different way to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a different it, place. Not, not a different place, but, but a different place. I don't know how to say it. 
I bet you you could get in the car, and if you're looking for some exclusive item, something, some food or something that is only that they don't carry in the regular supermarket, I bet you you could drive around and say to them, okay, take me to what store really sells this, like Baba Ganoush or something. <laughs> or you know, I sincerely that. believe that you're right. And they'll just you you see yourself turning here, turning there, go straight here, yeah. and you'll end up in some place where they have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I have to address this. Um, Barb is wanting me to write a book on the angels in my life. I I don't want to write a book, I, but I'm not going to close the door to it, Barb. If it slaps me in the face, if I have somebody come and say, okay, you're going to sit your butt in that chair and you're going to start it, okay, I'll do it. And I believe that can happen. (laughs) I'm not saying this facetiously. Well, you can always always get that uh, speech recognition software. You can just dictate the book. You've never seen that? I have. Dragon systems. They, they always say they always recommended those Andrea microphones because they were specifically designed to pick up the frequency range of the human voice while filtering out all the other stuff. Because traditional microphones are really not good for um, speech recognition because they pick up too much on the high end of the frequencies. So if there's any amount of ambient noise, it picks it up and it throws off the computer's ability to interpret your voice. So when my boss got that first uh, sample of the software, um, that was, I think, 2002, 2001, he had to get one of those Andrea microphones. And I take it by now they're so advanced, you don't have to go through what he went through. He had to spend like an hour training the software to recognize his voice. So he had to read the software on the screen would present paragraphs and you would read them out loud. And what the computer would do, it would get trained not only to your style of reading, but to your speed of reading, to your volume of reading. Because he never had to use his hands, because like he would say, stop recording, you know, change screen. He would actually talk and the computer would actually manipulate Windows. So it was, uh, he bought it because he was too lazy. He, you know, he was one of these two finger typists. Uh-huh. He would use it to dictate letters. And then the software has, you know, uh, spell checking and semantic construction and all of that. So all he had to do was edit it, make sure everything's okay, and then just print it out. Uh-huh. So that would be a great way to write a book. You just speak to the computer. <laughs> wow. Well, I, yeah, that's a thought, but. I just don't have the drive in me to write a book. It's boring, isn't it? Yeah. That would be, that would be like putting me in a can and putting a lid on I couldn't get out of. I would feel very confined. Maybe you're one of those folks that would be, have more fun, uh, collaborating in a book. So it's two people going at it. Oh, that I could do. Because that's more like a conversation and that's the way it would, you know, both your energies would go into the book. I mean, that's been done forever. Collaborated. I'm thinking it wouldn't have to be a traditional kind of book form. It could just be 
conversations, Dolly, of you recording your experiences and things like that, so like an audiobook, so you don't have to sit down and plot it all out and do your outline and, you know, all that kind of stuff? Audiobook? I could do that. Yeah, just like a conversation with angels instead of conversations with God. Or you could combine the two, but it could be just something simple like that, Dolly. So that you're sharing just like you always do. But that's the topic, and they're pre-recorded, and there you go. And that's it's more enjoyable because if you do that, as Colleen suggests, it's more enjoyable because um, you, as a reader, reading it, you're witnessing the story of something that happened to someone. Mm-hmm. So it's very natural, very spontaneous. It's not like you're contriving a novel and you have to create the characters and you have to put them in a situation and circumstance and you have to create the the drama and the actions and blah, blah, blah. No, it's a very natural thing. It's like a transcription of something that you have to live through. And by doing that, you know, the, the reader is witnessing that and it's getting something from it. I mean, I, I, that's when I... When I used to read the lessons from SRF, which were composed by Paramahansa Yogananda, uh, as I was reading the lesson, I always wanted to get to the end. It's very short. It's only like two, three pages long because you're supposed to read it once a day, every day, until Mm -hmm. it seeps into your subconscious. But every time at the end of the lesson would finish with an allegorical story or an illustration of some kind, a story to illustrate a point. Those I really enjoyed mm-hmm. because I, I'm, it takes me away from the mental posture of studying. You have to be serious and you have to focus and you have to study. No, you can just be like totally relaxed and just read the story. And at the end, it leaves you with a moral and, or a spiritual point, something mm-hmm. that's being made. And you're seeing it. It's coming to you in the form of a story. So I don't have to be... I can just enjoy it instead of being invested. Oh, I have to focus on this and I have to learn this. So it's, uh, to me, it's relaxing being able to do that, you know, read the story of something that somebody lived. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind doing uh, audio, but uh, doing words in a book, I, I have no interest. And I have more angel stories that my great-grandma passed down. That mm-hmm. she lived through. And those, my grandma was fascinating lady. Just fascinating. But it's gotten to be the top of the hour, Walt. I'm not it's telling you up. how to do your show. Alrighty, and we are back. I think we're back. We are back. Okie dokie. Dolly, are you back with us? Well, yeah, but the damn mute button wouldn't unmute. Oh. <laughs> My fingers weren't working right. <laughs> and I was trying to type real fast in the chat. <laughs> <clears throat> I wouldn't want another Stan ever, never, never. Why? <laughs> because he was so wonderful. He was a one-time experience. He was... he. <laughs> He has his flaws. Well, hell, he committed suicide. 
So he's got a big flaw there, in my opinion. What if there's a stand 2.0 waiting in the wings? Uh, I, I... No limitations. You just said it. It came out of your mouth. I know. I was there. I heard it. That experience, <laughs> that, that was a one-in-a-lifetime thing. I'd, I wouldn't want any anything to interfere with that. That was special. I, w- I don't even know how to say it. But, but what if there's a infinite, there's an infinite list of special things? Just because that was special doesn't stop you from experiencing something else that's special too. Just special in a different way. Oh, I wouldn't mind special in a different way. Well, I don't know if I'd mind. I'm not, I'm not asking, no, I'm, I'm not asking for a, for you to experience a photocopy clone of what you had. That's physically and statistically impossible. It's just saying, you know, what if there's somebody there that's completely aligned with what you're doing and it's, it's just a different experience. Completely special, new, but just good, positive, productive. Okay, I'll put this out to the angels and the universe and God. I'll RSVP for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> if there is someone like that, they can they can bring him to me, but I'm not. I am not going out searching. I'm perfectly content. I had my stand. I have my memories, I and I have my new life experiences now too. Yeah, but you can't keep hoarding Dolly all to yourself. You have to let someone else enjoy her. <laughs> Aren't you enjoying me? Yeah, remotely. You're just well, the one you out of my computer. <laughs> isn't anyone, isn't other, aren't other people enjoying me? <laughs> all over the world, all over the internet. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I just don't know if I could handle another time. I don't know. I, I, but I put it out there, so if it's meant to be, it'll be. I'm not going to poo-poo it with bad words. I'm just going to say, if it's meant to be, it'll be. So, are we? Are we? You still have a blackout in Miami? Okay. I don't know. Who's got the mic open? They're folding papers. It's not me. Uh huh. Oh, it was me. I'm sorry. Oh, she's eating a sandwich. No, I'm eating chocolate. <gasps> Ooh. Oh. Did you bring yeah. enough for the rest of the class? No. <laughs> <laughs> I made it for myself last night out of coconut oil and cocoa powder and stuff. Oh, nice. And I had it in the fridge, so. I'm sorry. I'll mute now. So no, you don't have to mute. Yeah, we wait. We vicariously is... enjoy the chocolate cereal. Have you heard anything from Nancy? Nope, not yet. Hmm. Well, I can share my one of my grandma's experiences. My great Take grandma. Take away. Um, sh- I used to sit at her feet and say, "Grandma, tell me the stories." 
and she'd start and tell me. And I'd heard them over and over and over and over. But anyway, here's one of them. She went to visit her sister who was in a different town than she was in. So uh, she was riding the transportation and and it bus. It was a bus. And it dropped her off at the corner of where her sister lived. And she had three pieces of luggage. And she didn't know how she was going to carry them because a couple of them were really heavy because she was going to stay there a while. So she told God she didn't know what she was going to do. So she started out by she'd take two of the suitcases and go up a few steps and put those down. She'd go back and get the last suitcase, go up some steps ahead of where the other two were, and then she'd do that with the two, you know, she started to do that. Well, all of a sudden, there was this vehicle that appeared beside her, and the guy got out and said, Carrie, let me help you with those bags. And she said, okay, so he loaded them in the vehicle, and Grandma got in, and the guy took her up to her sister's front step or sidewalk in front of her house. And he took her grandma's baggage up to the porch and put them by the door so her sister could help her with them. And her sister came and answered the door and, and she saw the luggage and she said, Carrie, how'd you get this luggage here? And Grandma said, well, this nice gentleman helped me. And she turned around, and he was gone. Wow. Just that mess. And she said, and I rode in a vehicle that I'd never seen before. It had four different tires than she'd ever seen. Because my great-grandma was alive in the horse and buggy days. So, you know, she saw the the start of the cars being made. And, and, and so what she was describing was a modern-day car that they hadn't even thought of back in those days because they just had the – you remember the old rounded buses with the skinny wheels? That's yep, what, yep. They that's looked, almost, they looked almost it was it was like fat bicycle tires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was that kind of thing. But Grandma was describing this car like it was a souped up modern day car of the day, our day. And so she'd never seen anything like that and she was kinda excited about riding in that. And her sister said and she was telling her sister the story and her sister says, How'd she know how did he know your name? Carrie, did you tell him? Mm. Grandma said, no, I didn't. So that's one of her angel stories. And I just always found that fascinating. And then there was this, oh, you want another one? Sure. Then there was the story about when they lived out in the country type atmosphere in but the houses were closer than than normal country style. Well, there started a fire in somebody's barn, which crossed over to other people's barns and houses. And Grandma's was in in the path, and people were being evacuated. And they came to Grandma and said, "You have to get out of here. 
your house is going to burn. You have to get out now. And Grandma said, I'm not leaving. I'm fine. You leave me alone. And back then, they, even though they thought the people were nuts, they listened to what they said. So they left Grandma there. And she did go out and stand with some neighbors and talk with them. And they said, well, Carrie, you gotta, you gotta get some of your stuff out of your house. And Grandma says, no, I don't. My house is gonna be just fine. When the fires were all put out and done, Grandma's house was still standing. No smoke damage. The yard was fine. <laughs> the fires were all around her, but they didn't touch her house. Yeah. So in her reality bubble, there was no fire. No. She, she never accepted it, never consented to she it. She already asked God to keep her safe in her house. That's what she says. God did it. She, grandma was very religious. She was my Pentecostal grandma. We were talking Pentecostal stuff mm. a couple days ago. She was my Pentecostal grandma. <laughs> oh, and then she had another experience. You want to hear that? <laughs> Are you getting tired of angel stories? Oh, no. That's, that's how you learn. It's more en- enjoyable than, you know, presenting material and explaining it you know that's that's where you get the point just listening to the story okay grandma was pregnant with my uncle bob and he was overdue and finally she went into labor but it was a hard horrible labor and she got to a point where she kept seeing a wall And she had said to God, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. She had been in labor for days. And so she saw the wall and she said, I've tried to get around it. I've tried to get over it. I've tried to get under it, God, but I can't get past the wall. God said, Carrie, walk through it. So. Grandma says, I can't walk through that wall. It's a solid brick wall. God says, Carrie, walk through the wall. And so Grandma argued with him a little bit. I guess that's where I get some of my stubborn. You're a poor one. That's where you get your stubbornness. I never thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. And so Carrie said, all right, I'm going to try to walk through this wall. So she said, she walked toward it. She had the faith. God told her to do it, and she was going to do it. She walked through the wall, and Uncle Bob was born. He was 16 and a half pounds. Wow. So he, he was like five years old when he was born? Yeah. Oh, my God. And they kept and saying no, no C-section? Huh? No C-section in those days? No. They didn't think she was going to live. They thought she and the baby were going to die. Oh, my God. I know. So I used to tease Uncle Bob. You're you're a big baby, Uncle Bob. And he'd laugh and hug me. (laughs) And he'd say, but she lived. And so did I. (laughs) Well, he wasn't an idiot. He knew what this planet he was gaining into. So he was changing his mind. (laughs) I'm going back. Sorry, people. (laughs) <laughs> oh, he was a great uncle <laughs> I love him 
So that's my angel stories. I wore myself out, Walt. Well, at least they're, I love that they're good, positive angel stories. I mean, if I had to tell you stories from my family's past, they would all be like horror stories because, you know, they always, you know, like uh, creepy Halloween stories that you tell around a campfire. Yeah. That kind. <laughs> yeah. I I have horrible experiences in my life, but that was in the other reality. Yep. It used to bother me. Terrible bothered me. That I lived through that and I put my kids through hell and, and it, I really was upset by it. Well, now I look at it. That was, that was a different, different reality. Well, now I, I know it's a, I know it's a challenge for you because Annette is a manifester and you can't tell manifestors anything. It's the way they're wired. You just can't. But that doesn't stop her from learning from experience and from example. So if you could give Annette a taste of this new reality where you don't have to do everything yourself, not that you don't have to have everything riding on your shoulders. You have a team of countless angels to assist you navigate the reality. If you could just show her that, a taste of that, then she has something to build on to do more attitude adjustment. Because right now I, I see her and I see that uh, ever since that experience that made her reduce herself, she was left with this feeling that, you know, everything's on my shoulders. You know, I have to take care of everything yeah. because, if I, because everything is riding on me. But... That experience already, it happened when Stan left, but that experience came and went. It's not there anymore. So you can shut off that mode. Yeah. Come back and be your plentiful, full self. You know, you don't have that drama in your life anymore. You survived it, learned from that, moved on. But parts of her, she's still, you know, operating under those conditions and it's not healthy. But she's come a long way, Walt. You haven't seen how far she's come. Well, and it's going to be you teaching through example. Yeah. Because you you cannot, she's a, I don't need to know the person. All I need to do now is her design. She's a manifester. You are never going to teach them by telling them stuff. Because they don't want to propel stuff. They don't, they, they're, you know, self-propelled entities. But they will learn from from experience and example. You you show them an example. Okay, this is what happens when you do this with this, and, they, and you let them observe that and witness it. Then they'll go, oh, maybe you have something there. So they're absorbing it because they're absorbing it through their experience, not because somebody is shoving it down their throat. Do you see the difference? Mm-hmm. If I let, for example, let's say you wanted to make a special kind of pastry. I don't know. I'm just making up something. And you come over and I'm going to say to you, Dolly, okay, Dolly, watch. And you're going to sit down in front of me and I'm going to get the ingredients and I'm going to do the preparation. So in a few minutes, I will give you a tray full of these pastries. And I told you nothing at all. So all you did was just watch and witness and saw what I did and how the end result was this pastry that you want. 
So I thought I, I did not um, put anything in your head. I didn't tell you, you do this and you do this and this. I just let you watch. So that's the natural, that's a natural way for a manifester to learn because they're, they're picking it up from their experience. They, they don't have somebody burning their ear off. You gotta do this and you gotta do this and you gotta do this and it, that, mm-hmm. that rubs them the wrong way. That's not how mm-hmm. they absorb their knowing. Well, she got all excited when I was telling her yesterday about the angels, um, and, and the experience with Shannon and Sherry. And so she said to me today, I took my angels to work with me, Mom. Yeah, ask the angels that she does, you know, that she doesn't need to work 10 hours a day. That's not healthy. <laughs> not know. for a manifester. Well, I've tried to tell her that, Walt, but she won't listen. Yeah, I don't, I, I know that at work it sounds like this guy, it's, uh, so much is riding on her. But, yeah. I even uh, said to her, Annette, nobody at your office seems to think they have to finish their jobs because all they have to do is say, no, I didn't get it done and I'm too busy to do it. And then you take over. You have become the office enabler. Yeah. She's just, she's spoiling them. It's like little kids and you're spoiling them rotten. Yeah. And there's no reward for that, absolutely none. Maybe the reward is that you feel more important, more needed. I don't know. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm not going to judge, you know, why people do the things they do, and it's they have perfect freedom to experience what they want to experience. But at work, where there was a person like that, uh, it was their sense of identity. They just needed, they just needed to be needed. It was it was something that they uh, it was important to them that everybody needed them mm-hmm. and the, the to me the joke is I don't want you to need I don't want anybody to need me because that means that you're not with me because I have any value to you as a person or an entity or anything you're with me because you need me once the need is satisfied then it's like yes I need clean socks what happens when they're not clean anymore. I'm going to throw them in the wash. I'm done with them. So need is temporary. Need is part of duality. It's, it's entirely conditional. But when you, when somebody wants your company or wants to be with you or they want to be your friend because you are valuable and you're significant and you have all these abilities and qualities that make you a wonderful friend, that's different because they're not with you with, for need. That person is with you because they want to be. Mm-hmm. That is a huge difference between that and need. And unfortunately, it's a social program, this business of, haven't you heard love songs? 90% of the love songs is, I need you. <laughs> That's not oh. <laughs> See, That's I don't listen to music very often. <laughs> I don't hear it right. I, when I was a kid, my eardrum was, um, blown apart and nobody realized it, even though I screamed in pain and cried and bled from my ear. It was one of those things that nobody paid attention to. And it happened at school even. Mm. So my 
eardrum has healed over in a funny way, evidently, because every doctor that looks at it says, do you realize your eardrum was blown apart? Yes, I do. But I hear things differently than other people hear them. Like my mother's music. eardrum regrew with the with the ozone uh, with the um, ear insufflation of ozone. She was it was always perforated all through her life. She had a gaping gash. You know what an eardrum looks like? It looks like a like a china saucer. Mm-hmm. And I, when I would look in her ear, there was this huge gash running down the middle, because a doctor lasted when she was a little baby and she grew up that way and she was constantly having to use like antibiotic cream in the ear because that was always broken it was susceptible to infections so when i built my first uh, ozone machine in new york and you have to feed it with actual oxygen you can't use the air uh she would do like five minutes she would put the tube up to the ear and would allow the gas to flow in for five minutes every day. And in the beginning, she felt intense itching. And then after like two weeks, uh, she says, I, you know, I'm doing it and I don't see, I don't feel any itching anymore. So I looked in her ear with a flashlight and where before you had this round saucer shape with a gash running down the middle. Now it was completely sealed. And there was this little tiny red line running down the middle of the eardrum where the gash had been. So the tissue had grown and closed. Wow. Which is what I, what I, what I experienced with uh, ozone applications to damaged tissue. It actually accelerates healing and repair of living tissue. So that it's funny, that ear, she hears better with that ear than the other one. <laughs> the wow. <one. laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. You you, you should patent that. Well, patent that you you can't patent ozone. It's a part of nature. That's why there's no money on it, and that's why doctors don't want to prescribe it. <laughs> but how do you get the ozone so you can put it where you want it? Well, in, in the they sell equipment. Um, Doctor Presman, he's a Canadian doctor who lives in in California. And he has a website, it's plasmafire.com, and he makes ozone generating equipment. You have to have either bottled oxygen or in my case, I use an oxygen. You know those, those little cabinets, the um, oxygen concentrators that they use in patients, people that have to be on oxygen 24 seven. Mm-hmm. It's like a little cabinet and it has a motor inside and all day long you hear it going. Mm-hmm. And you hear it, you know, doing the gas exchange. That's what I use for my generator. So that, that gives you like 99% pure oxygen. And it's amazing. It's wherever tissue needs healing and uh, ozone dissolves cancer cells. So it's a great way to kill a tumor. Well, uh, Chris Steiner just put in the chat room. To check into a personalized air ionizer, as ionized oxygen is ozone, of which Walt speaks. He says he got this for... You're not hearing me, Dolly? Oh, now I hear you. All of a sudden, everything went blank. Wow. I didn't hear anything. Okay, well, anyway, I'm... 
Chris Steiner just put in here some information about ionized oxygen, which he says is ozone, and he put a, a link in, and I've put it here in the chat as well. Oh, okay. Uh, Thank he you. said he got it for like 35 bucks. So, yeah, while, while, Walt? Yes? Have you checked that uh, link? And like your opinion? I'm looking, I'm looking at this link, but this says, uh, I see a personal ionizer, and I see this other one where they, uh, it appears that you're supposed to uh, ozonate water in order to clean vegetables with it. I'm, I'm looking at the description. Is that the personal air purifier model 700? No, the thing on top. Nature clean machine. I'm not looking at it. I didn't go there. It's a, it's the very first item at the top of the page. It's a, above the ionic. Oh, person. you're gonna make me open it, aren't you? <laughs> I'm tired, Walt. All of a sudden, I am just so tired. Well, the one he's okay. got, yeah, is the personal air The center for, list price for health. Okay, I see. List price $225. Oh, here, here it is. Ionic personal air purifier model 700. No, it's sure. the one on top. Okay, what about that one? The ionic personal air purifier, it just ionizes the air. But the item above is the one that actually, it's an ozone machine. You have to feed it with oxygen, and then you get ozone at the other end. Uh, but the description here on the page is describing how to use it to ozonate water, and then you use that water to clean your vegetables and your fruits. Um, this is a very... Uh, ozonated water, it's how they, what they do in Europe, you know, when they have, um, surgeries that they need to wash the cavity of the body when they open and expose the organs. In, in Europe, they don't use chemicals. They use ozonated water because ozone will actually kill viruses, which antibiotics don't. So ozonated wow. water is what they do to wash the inside of the cavity of the body when they do, you know, open heart surgery or other kind of surgery. They well, they do it better than here then. Oh, yeah. They, here they, they promote infection. They don't use chlorine in the water. They they purify the water with ozone. Hey, Nancy's back. She's back. Hallelujah. She's back. What's I bet that? she went into the, into the backyard and turned on her nuclear power plant and that's it. Energize the house. <laughs> <laughs> So bring her, is she in? I'm adding her to see. She's still not answering, though. Answer your phone, Nancy. Whoop, there she is. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Did you have a good show? Well, yes. I I did a lot of talking. Yes. Well, it was a good show. (laughs) <laughs> of course, we we heard uh, Dolly's all angel stories, but Dolly is from an old family of angel wranglers. So starting from her great grandmother, they've been wrangling angels forever. <laughs> so. Well, I thought it very ironic that uh, a thousand people lose their power just before we're supposed to go on talking about angels, and I'm going, angels, angels, where are you? And um, I guess I wasn't the only one that 
lost the power if there was a thousand other people, but it sure felt like me. So it, it was still light out, and I went out in the yard, and I'm just sitting there going, this is really strange. And I s- gradually became aware that the neighborhood was changing. And all of a sudden, I could hear all these voices of children. My God, the kids were sent outside of the house because there was no power inside the house. <laughs> pretty soon, pretty soon, I could hear adults talking to their neighbors and... You know, anytime you have a crisis, even though it's only a, you know, a couple of hours of losing your power, um, people come together. So maybe that was an angelic example of how we really have to be. So did you ask your angels if they could work out having it come back? Yes, and I got a big no. I got a big <laughs> zero. But that's what I'm saying is it wasn't just me. But yeah, I, I hear you. I love it. <laughs> well, maybe they wanted Dolly to have the mic so she could talk about him. And oh my god, well, believe me, that crossed my mind. I said, "Oh, I'm not <laughs> supposed to be on this show." Interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking they wanted all those kids and adults to get out and see that there's other people in the world besides just them in their house with their TVs and their games. Well, you know, the other thing, Dolly, that I realized was, I mean, I used to be a fanatic about having everything emergency-wise in the house, right? Uh-huh. I, did ha- I didn't have anything. I didn't know where the candles were. I didn't have the batteries I was supposed to have. I mean, it was like I'm going like, who's been living here? Nothing is ready for an emergency. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't really a bad, bad thing, you know. But um, All no, that I- Army training going to waste. No, it didn't go to waste. I just, you know, <laughs> I actually found some candles I didn't even know I had. Now, where the ones I know I have, and that they're not, they're not where they were or supposed to be. I don't know where that is, but um, no, my my army training tells me that if you can't do anything about it, then take a nap. Oh yeah. So, so I just I laid down and you know I had the cat. I said, "Cat, come here. I need you." <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, um, I'm sure it's absolutely a brilliant show, and I will listen to it in the archives. Um, what are you talking about now? Oh, uh, I, uh, we were talking about angels, and then ozone. she would. Yeah, because oh, yeah, Ali was ozone. saying that she's got a blasted ear, and I was telling the story how my mom's uh, eardrum regrew with uh, the uh, ozone insufflation into the ear daily. Well, you know, speaking of ears, one thing I did become very much aware of is that the ringing in my ears is not because of electromagnetic pollution in my house. There was no electricity at all anywhere for miles. And I still had that that ringing in the ear thing. You know, so and, and yeah, Barbara Hancow, she said that she thought that the the ringing in her ears was her she was hearing her mind think. And I thought, I like that. <laughs> oh, my mind is very busy. Listen to all those sounds. <laughs> well, in those huh? websites where they list ascension symptoms, that's one of the things that they list, uh, ringing in the ears for no logical reason. I'm Mine has that all the time. And even though I tell the key, I program it to take that, whatever's causing the ringing in the ears to please take that away. Make it go away. But, 
it'll it'll lessen it so that I'm not in pain from it. But I still have that damn noise in my head. Well, I can't remember who it was that was saying that um, the 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 ringing in your ears. It, maybe it was you, Walt. Were your spirit guides talking to you? And if it gets too loud or, or you know begins to affect you, you just ask them to please, you know, tone it down. Now I don't know if that's true or not because what are they teaching us if they're just sending us these coded messages? <laughs> Ringing in my ears. <laughs> it's the paging system. <laughs> We yeah. just we just don't to understand the signal. We we don't have the necessary modules installed. Well, you know, there's that thing about the hair too. Dolly, you've been following this thing about the long hair. No. Oh, this is well. It started with JP, as far as I'm concerned, because that's the first time I heard it. And um, he was saying that supposedly the long hair uh, allowed you to have more psychic capabilities because it's like connected to your entire body nervous system and it's like antennas for psychic information and I to be honest with you thought it was pretty preposterous an idea but then the Brill Society with these women with the hair down to their butts or the floor I think in some case who were supposedly these amazing psychics and they also attributed the uh, length of hair to their psychic abilities well then lo and behold my friend Cindy says well you know what happened in World War II Um, the Native oh. Americans were hired. Oh, hey, by the, there you what? are. You, I you lost you. Oh. I lost you when oh, you I'm, were talking about what happened in World War. Okay, I just started. Yeah, okay. World War II, the Native Americans were brought into the military because of their ability to um, seemingly have extra sensory perceptions, you know, of knowing that something dangerous down the road and stuff like this. But they made them cut their hair to military length, and when they did, they could they no longer had their powers, and so they actually did a um, experiment uh, where they had they trained them again and tested them, and yes, 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 they all got the ability, and then they only cut some people's hair, and when they did that, those people lost their abilities. And then they let them grow it back, and they cut the other people's hairs, and sure enough, they lost their abilities. Interesting. Yeah, but and, and so, huh? Samson in the Bible. Oh yeah. Where they Delilah cut his hair, and he lost and all he his lost strength. Strength, yeah. She do that knowing he was going to lose his strength. Yes. She oh. set out to do that on purpose. She trapped him into marriage and everything so that she could cut his hairs so that the enemies could take over. Because he was the strongest man in the world. Sure, blame the woman, why don't you? It was her fault. <laughs> Any good man can be brought down by a better woman. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> but but, but my, my thing was that um, knowing that an antenna will only uh, be able to receive a, a, a frequency if you have a certain length. In other words, the antennas are cut to be a, to match a certain frequency. So if all these people got all this long hair, 
are they able to pick up the frequencies that we would pick up if we had short hair? Wow. So that means that Shaolin teachers, monks, have no psychic abilities whatsoever? Yeah, because they shave their head. That's what I'm saying is that this might be some kind of conspiracy. Make us all grow our hair long because then they could really get to us because we'd have long hair and they'd be locked into our frequency. I think I'll keep my hair short. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's always the the belief systems. I mean, if you have the strong belief system that if you cut your hair, you're going to lose your powers, then it's you're going to lose your powers. It's look look at uh, well. Let's look at uh, pre-born babies, babies and the mother's womb. No hair anywhere in the body. And yet it's been documented so many times when the, when the mothers are psychically connected to their babies and, and they're telepathically connected. Well, the baby has no hair. What is he? Oh, I know. Perfect excuse because it's inside the mother's body. It doesn't need any hair. Well, even outside the mother's body, there are babies that are psychically connected to the mother at great distances. Um, what hair do they have? So that's why, you know, it's, it's a choice. If you choose that long hair is going to give you powers, fine. Enjoy it. It's an experience. But I think it's a lot of it is um, belief system based. I mean, Think about it, the Native Americans that they were here for thousands of years, and if that's part of their ingrained belief system, it's ingrained in your DNA that if you have long hair, you, you know, have the capability, so. But, that's just my uneducated opinion. It, it, it did generate <laughs> a lot of uh, comments, you know, and, but it's just one of those, <laughs> there are so many different little twists and turns to what is and isn't in little stories. And I find them very interesting, you know, and this was one of them. Because you guys didn't seem to be talking about anything really important. <laughs> because you were yeah. So I brought up hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, I did, the game. <laughs> did you see my picture of my purple and pink in my hair? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I and love it. I love the that's, fact that's, that she did That's it. why she did it on purpose, because she wanted to pick up programs in color. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a colored antenna. Yeah, she got tired of all those, you know, black and white programs. I mean, come on. It's 2016, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> so oh we should change my pictures. I want to have the colored hairs on the pictures. Okay. Were you happy with the pictures that, cause you were kind of looking out of the corner of your eye. I, you know, I look, every time I see a picture of you, I see is this going to be good to grab, but, um, <laughs> see if, see if you can't get a, I mean, we could use one of those. You just show me which one you want and, or have her take another one. There was one she, that she had of a headshot that I wasn't looking out of the corner of my eye that I liked. She, but, but she liked the other one better. Well, that one was slightly out of focus. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think so. I think I, because I said, oh, that looks good. And then when I, when I started working with it, I said, ew, this is out of focus. All right, I'll have her take more. Yeah. We'll do it over the weekend. She's playing Superwoman and working late hours again. Oh, gee. Yeah. So, um, did you finish your conversation about angels? Did you let them know your stories and, and well, share with Christy? I thought the whole subject of the angels is just, Starting up, aren't we going to dedicate a weekly show to just angels and train people how to use them correctly? 
so that they can use them to do the new reality for themselves? Do you know know what it is? Because I seem to be missing the boat. I couldn't even get them to turn on the electricity. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but there had to be other reasons why they didn't do that. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Something maybe. Maybe some piece of exotic equipment somewhere needed to be shut off. I don't know, but it is, you know, it, 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 the, the, well, when you've got a storm coming or some, something where you can prepare, yeah. then you're prepared for it to go out. But when it goes out like that, and down here, I have, I don't remember the last time it's gone out that long. It normally goes out for, you know, a little, you know, a few seconds almost. And is then it comes raining? back up. Say again? Is it raining? No, no. And I, my, what I do is I call Sandy because I know that Sandy's already going to have found out what happened. And because she lives, you know, an acre away from me. I said, your power's out? Oh, yeah, yeah. She says, the whole trunk line, they've lost over a thousand customers. And they think maybe about eight o'clock, but you know that's probably an estimate. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice so, you have somebody like that to get the news from. Oh, she's obnoxious. She always knows what the what the telephone numbers are. She knows where they are. She knows that you know, she she she's so efficient that way that it's it's scary. But it's really good for me. I just pick up the phone and call her. Because that was the other thing when um, I lost the internet. When the power, I I got to talk to you about the backup thing, Walt. It beep beep beeped, and then I'm thinking. I wonder if I should turn this off and save the battery, and then just about the time I figured I should do something about it, it went beep. <laughs> so how, how long was the run? Um, it was probably about an hour at that time. Oh, okay, that's very good. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, um, when I lost the uh, the internet, I also lost the telephone, <clears throat> and the cell phone wasn't charged, so I didn't even have a telephone. I had no nothing, no. Wait. But your your telephone is from Comcast, right? Yeah, Comcast was down too. So your uh, your cable modem is not connected to the UPS. It was for a while. I had the so, phone for a while, but then when the the cable box went out, it was gone. Oh yeah. As long as the the cable box is getting power, then you should have the phone. But once it goes, it goes. Yep. So. Well, how did you let Annette? Not Annette. Colleen, no. Because I had a backup that kept the computer running so that oh. I could tell her I just lost my power. Oh, okay. I and, know what you're talking about. I got one, yeah. Yeah, but then I wanted to get off of it because I wanted to save whatever was in there for the phone. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I knew that if I lost everything, I'd lose the phone, too. I wasn't sure I'd even come back up. But enough of my problems. <laughs> <laughs> um did you give the information regarding where donations supported and that's haggyshack.com uh, and also wolfspiritradio.com and that we do have a shitload of archives that you can get into by coming uh, a member, monthly member at $5 a whack. I'm cosmicreality.net and Waltz, that's his, his two. He has to have his own two, but that's newparadigmtools.net is where you can directly get to Walt. Or you can always find him because we've got him linked all over the place on Cosmic Reality. Um, to, now, coming up, coming up is Haggy Reads View. And if it's all impossible, the show that we did Saturday night, I, myself and Colleen with Christia, 
Um, that's going to be on at 11 o'clock Eastern time. So late for some, but maybe Pacific people would like to hear that because that was a really good show. What, Dolly, that's where you got your inspiration, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yes. I told them that's where I got it, yeah. Yeah. So that show is going to replay. And remember, you can always go to the um, public archives and get the weekly shows. You can download them for free. You don't have to, because after a week, they get put in the uh, membership archives. But, you know, we we want you to be able to have access to our programming um, at your own convenience. And so you can do that, too. Um, What else you guys want to say? you got seven minutes. Boy, I'm glad you came in and did the ads. We forgot all about. Well, it's Walt's fault because he was <laughs> taking over the show. Walt is never taking over a show all by himself. <laughs> I've, never, I've never missed a show. You know? <laughs> and I did. I thought. I thought. You know, that was brilliant that you brought Dolly in. <laughs> you know, because those two have really good conversations. I, so I didn't feel bad. I didn't think I was being missed. Let me put it to you that way. Well, we missed you. Well, that's nice of you to say. Oh, but I'm sure you just, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was such an important, um, story that you told about, you know, actually reaching out to the, to the angels and the response that I felt that it was very important that other people hear it. Well, I had to tell Shannon today, Sherry's husband, Shannon, honey, just try, strap yourself in and get ready. Cause he is just all flustered. He, he says, everything's happening so fast since you did that. He's, and he thanked me for doing it. And I said, just strap yourself in and go with it. Just relax. Your angels are going to take care of you and you can ask your angels anytime for help. And if they're not going to, if, they, if you're not their primary concern at the time, the power will probably stay off. But don't take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you no. got to take into consider. They're taking into consideration all the side effects. We don't yes. see side effects. Yes. Yes. That's that's the absolute truth of it. You know, when something's not being delivered. Um, well, we went through, we've been going through something that just, we're not going to talk about it, but today Walt brought up the fact that what, what this thing that we can't seem to get, you know, resolved, it keeps doing, it keeps bringing us back together, asking each other for help. And, you know, it was like we, we sort of like he brought it up that, you know, maybe we should realize that this is what it's all about, is asking each other for help. We shouldn't be alone. We shouldn't feel like, you know, we're, we're intruding on, on somebody because we're asking for help. That maybe the ability to just reach out to people with that in your heart, please help me. Um, well, well, Nancy, I always try to tell people when, when you ask somebody for help, you are helping them. Because they want to be able to help you most times. They really, they're yearning for you to ask for them to help you. So when you ask for help from someone, you are actually helping them. Yeah, and Walt pointed out that it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of of courage and strength. Yes, yes. 
Absolutely. You want to add something, Walt? No, that's uh, that was the point, is that a lot of people see that as weakness, having to ask for help. It's the other way around. You know, you need, it, it takes courage to ask for help. It takes courage to admit I can't do it alone. It takes courage to admit I don't have the skills, the strength, or the wherewithal, or whatever it is that this requires. So I'm coming to this person for help. So to acknowledge all that, it actually takes strength and bravery. But if you are uh, self-conscious and you and you think, oh, I, I can't appear to be weak in the eyes of these people, blah, 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 you'll play the fool and you'll try to fix things on your own, and that's when you get into more trouble. So, Well, that's sort of like what I felt like, you know, when I was going through, since since the Saturday show, I pondered this. When Gaia asked me if I would take responsibility, right or wrong, win or lose, for what was about to happen, I said, yes, as a representative of humanity, I would, figuring, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. But now I'm uh, sort of on the other side of the question, and I'm like, shit, I don't think we can do this by ourselves, <laughs> you know, because it gets deeper and deeper, and it's like, come on, why are we have this drama? Why can't we just do this? And then Christia comes on and she says, ask the angels. And then Dolly asks the angels and by gosh, they deliver. (laughs) You know, and and so I Now, what have you been saying forever now? We came here to learn energy manipulation. So asking for help and asking the angels for that, that's part of that energy manipulation. So now the movement, the modulation, the navigation of your reality is not entirely focused on you moving your hands and touching things and putting this over here and putting that over there and cleaning this and fixing. It's not based on that. It's based on the use of your consciousness and your consciousness moving the energy and accessing the, the angels is another way to use your consciousness to make changes and adjustments to your reality. With, because the, the key to it is you, you can't strong, uh, you can't suffocate them what you want to get from the angels by giving them tons of details. You have to ask, have that inner trust that it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen the way the mind wants to visualize. Who cares what the mind wants? It doesn't, it doesn't know what's the best for me, but those entities in the other dimensions, they know what's best for me because they can see the entire you know, playing field. And today you just basically did a little bit of, I wonder what if this would happen, and boom, all of a sudden, <laughs> myself and Gene, who were a thousand miles away from him, went, what'd you just do? And he did not 3D think about what he was saying or anything. It was just like, what if I put the angels in this thing that he was working with, this machine? And all of a sudden it was like both Gene and I were like, well, what did he just do? And he said, I didn't do anything. I just thought about putting the angel. All he had to do was think about it. And that's Shanghite for you. That's so the angel. Shanghite is a 3D yeah. angel. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I right, didn't stop the hour. Yep. Oh, yep. we have to leave the bar before the it. bouncer comes. Yep. yep. <laughs> I think she's already here. She's arrived. <laughs> Thank you so much for carrying on for me, Dolly. Walt, love you. Love you, Dolly. Love you, Colleen. Love you out there in audience land. And um, I hope you did enjoy the show. I'm going to go listen to it. <laughs> okay. Have fun, everybody. Have a great day.
listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart as a man.